What's up, guys? Welcome back to Champ and the Tramp. This episode is brought to you by Bubba Coos Burritos. Frank, how do you like Bubba Coos? Bubba Coos is my go-to spot for lunch, sometimes dinner. Uh, you can't miss with Bubba Coos. My kids love it. Everybody in the family is down with Bubba Coos. Check them out. Bubba Coos Burritos. Real show. Here we go. Real show. Here we go. You know that it's got to be that time. So this is what we chant. What keeps on getting them all amped in advance. Come on. You and I rocking out with Iron Man F.E. You get the general's point of view on top of Roger's rants. Whenever it's happening out, we're putting the most minutes in you. Already know what that's about. You know that win is win. Crush whatever's on task. Check the podcast. It's the champ and the tramp. Let the ball blast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Champion and Tramp. We've got a special guest from Garden State Medical, Dr. Johnny, Dr. Trontis. Um, I reached both orthopedic doctors, uh, right? Correct? Well, I do pain management. Pain management. He's an orthopedic surgeon. I recently just got treatment there. got a PRP shot on my shoulder two, three weeks ago. Feeling pretty good, you know, doing all right. And uh, thanks for having us, man. Or thank, thanks for, thanks for, <laughs> thank you for coming on. Uh, excuse me, I think it's me. Thank you for having me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, thanks for coming on. Uh, I, I'm, you know, obviously what you guys are doing is pretty good stuff. Very interesting stuff for me, being an athlete. Roger definitely being beat up in his old age. There I'm sure go. he can use some some knowledge from you guys and just people, some of our listeners, I'm sure, are into you know, what you guys are into as well. No, yeah. for sure. Thank you for having us. Um, no, we... Uh, there's a lot of overlap between what you guys do and what we do, right? I mean, at the end of the day, when you guys get hurt, you guys show up in our office. And for a lot of us, our goal is hopefully to keep you out of our office, right? Yeah. We, you know, ideally focus on exercise, nutrition, and all that kind of stuff, and hopefully keep you guys out. But at the same time, at the level, especially you're performing at, it's going to happen, right? It's impossible to not get injured if you're you're at that level right? right and so it's a matter of well how do you get back to it as soon as you can in the safest way you can you know right right yeah for sure and you got to look <clears throat> around the professional athletes uh, in all disciplines who do you know who's never had uh, surgery who's knows who's ever had an injection there are some guys who get an injection before every game or before every time they mm, go out that's true uh and then you know a lot of folks end up getting real surgery because they need it. They miss a season. They do it in the off season, but it's got to happen. You, you you play long enough. You treat your body like that. You, you're going to need it eventually. Hopefully not. Or you, this guy keeps you away from it. But yeah. when you need it. Well, I always say, you know, like people are like, oh, you know, fighting. You know, you had how many surgery I have this and that. And I'm like, dude, my dad's a plumber, bro. He had a bunch of surgeries too. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so. True. No, but yeah. I mean, that's a lot of our patients too. You know, I mean, a lot of these guys, union guys working tough jobs and they beat up their body, HVAC guys, plumbers, yeah. right? you know what I mean? You do it to yourself over 30, 40 years, it's going to catch up to you yeah. no matter what, you know? And you know what? Sure. You sit at a desk long enough, you do the opposite of that, you got some kind of other problem. Mm, you yeah, something else right. injected. There's nobody... Nobody gets away with it, you know. Yeah, you can't, you true. can't survive and not and not need something. Just part of the aging process, kind of right. Yeah, I don't You're, think we were meant to live past forty. medicine has enabled us to live past our life expectancy, really, kind of right. right. I mean, that's a big part of it too. You know, at at the end of the day, we keep pushing how long people are surviving, how long people are living, and you know, we we try and keep them going, but bodies do break down too. You know, doesn't I mean? it come down to really? I don't know. I mean, you guys are doctors. I'd be interested to hear your perspective on it when Frankie's done kicking stuff. Um, <laughs> but doesn't it come down to quality of life? I mean, is that what it really is about? Oh, yeah, I don't yeah, want to yeah, live beyond my quality of life. When I <laughs> when I'm pooping my pants, it's time to it's time to go. You know, maybe maybe people would disagree and want to live to their last dying breath, but. 
When my no, I there was a study that showed most doctors choose to be DNR DNI, right? Like towards right. the end of their lives, like nope, don't do any of that right. stuff to me, mm. right? Because they've seen it all. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah. and the outcomes show that you know the chance of having meaningful recovery and good quality of life after something like that is mm-hmm. pretty low to begin with, right? Right. And so, I mean, I've had that conversation, and I think that's important, you know, for everyone to have that conversation with loved ones and parents and whoever, so that way you're not struggling to make that decision when that comes because it's going to come right yeah. i mean nobody outlives father time right sure. so right. so it's important that you have those conversations with loved ones too because it's tough to be in that situation never having talked about it or whatever and you, you know the predisposition is just do everything right like right. go go and mm. and really mm, having seen what i've seen i wouldn't i wouldn't necessarily recommend that for everyone you know right. and and uh not that it's financial, not that you should ever make a decision, should we should we intubate this guy, should we do the surgery based on money, but 80% of most people's lifelong health care expenditures are in the last 20% of their life. Mm, it, yeah. it, because it becomes this inordinate effort. It's not about the money, it's it's a, the investment. People are in the hospital half the time, they're getting this surgery that didn't go well, so they need another surgery, or they got this procedure done, they got intubated, they got this thing, and now they're going to live for another 10 years, but every every other week they're stopping to see a doctor. They got to go back into the hospital or something like that. Yeah. It is about quality of life. Sure. And the reason to check in with doctors is you poop in your pants. You know you don't know if, if it's the end or if it's some stupid little thing that we can just mm, fix sure. and then you're 100 percent right, right, back. Right. And and you got to build rapport. You got to build trust with a doctor to understand help you make that decision. Because if it's a if it's an easy thing and you're better, I'm going to tell you to do it. Right. If it's something that's going to ruin the last five years of your life, I'm going to hopefully tell you not to do it. It's the gray zone where I got to know what your priorities are. Mm-hmm. You as a patient have to communicate, hey, man, I'm here for a good time, not a long time. I, I want to uh, the least you can do to get me the most out of it. Mm-hmm. We got an answer for that. Nope. Sometimes if you say, no, I just want to be 110. All right, we got an answer for that too. You may not like it, but as right. long as we set expectations, you know what you're getting. It's not one size fits all. Every every yeah, patient right. is an individual, and you cater yeah. to their wants and needs. I guess, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. There's few things where you see it on an X. You can see a lab, you see an X-ray, you see a whatever, and you go, well, "I know what's next. Yeah. I know exactly what we need to do because mm-hmm. everybody needs it." Shy of that, it's all about what you want. You are as much patients as you are consumers of healthcare. What do you want to get out of the experience? If I'm saving, I'm not going to save your life. If somebody's going to save your life, they're going to do it no matter what. But if you, what do you want to get out of it? Why why are you here? If you showed up in the hospital, are you in pain? Do you want to not be in pain? Do you you show up in my office because you want a back surgery because you think you're going to wrestle again when you turn 75? You know, you got to have Expectation setting. Yeah, realistic ones, too, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but it's also good in our specific setup where we can bounce patients off each other where, hey, look, this guy, I think needs surgery. I've tried this. I have you know, done that. We've sent him to PT. We've done him this. Send him over to him. Sometimes he'll say, no, they don't need surgery. You know, I don't think they're ready. They could do this. They could do that. Versus, you know, he has patients show up and they're like, doc, I need back surgery. He's like, dude, you haven't even done physical therapy. Like, what right. are you talking about? <laughs> right. So it's good that we can, um, you know, help take care of these patients appropriately well, and kind of get them what they need. Here's maybe a little insider question. I'm not sure if you can answer it, but I'm, guys seem like straight up guys. Is some of that governed by insurance? Does insurance make you go through oh, yeah. certain? Oh, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, Like you yeah, can't sure. just go in and see yeah. somebody clearly is in bad shape and say, no, surgery. no, no, no. If someone's like, if they're if they have paralysis, if they have serious neurologic problems, he could speak more to this. Right. Then yeah, you can bypass everything and just typically do it. from a guy who's <laughs> dealt with a lot of back issues. Yeah, 
typically they want you to get the epidural injections first, no, yeah, right? It, there, and then they want you to do the there is a part of therapies. Yeah, and the, I mean, some of this is cookbook medicine, right. you know, and that's the way I, I explain it to patients. You know, like unfortunately. You know, there's there's three parties here. You're the patient, I'm right. the doctor, and you have your insurance company paying for it, Correct, right? And right. so they get a say too. Right. And unfortunately, they have these certain protocols. And but most of them are rooted in pretty good medicine. Science. You know what I mean? It's not like you know made up out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. I will say though, specifically people who are injured in like workman's comp injuries, that, like I don't believe in those uh, treatment protocols. Like those are not meant to help people. Oh, is that in right? my opinion? Really? Yeah. No. But like the other, you know, like most of your commercial explain, insurance. Explain that. What do you mean? I think I know what you're saying, but no, but I just, in my opinion, I mean, we don't really do a lot of workman's comp, but mm. you know, what I see is they just drag out care right. and just don't want to approve things. And you know, right. Hey, like right. 12 weeks later, maybe you'll get some physical therapy. Like, no man, you needed that three months ago. Right. Yeah, right? Like right, what, right. You, you know, just three what? to six months over behind of what a patient needs right the work comp mo is just delay care until someone just happens to get better even if that takes five years just insurance companies in general right Right. you gotta pay insurance and then when it's time to collect they're like oh we're not paying you what do you mean i've been paying this whole time that's just a scam right Uh, and and i'll never stand up for an insurance company but if you look at the world through their eyes to his point you see where it's coming from let's assume i'm an idiot let's assume i don't know what i'm doing let's assume i'll do anything to get paid that's the worst kind of doctor sure uh Aetna, whatever, Medicare, there's 100,000 people in the country with back pain, and they basically just looked at their own patients for the last 10 years and said, those who had surgery, how many got better? Those who did therapy, how many got better? And so I don't know what I'm doing. I'm in it for the money. I'm a terrible person. I'm a bad doctor. I saw a patient. I said, you need surgery right away. Medicare is just going to be like, I don't know him from Adam. Why don't you try some therapy? I know the patients who get therapy tend to do better. So you look at it from their way. You know where it's coming from. Theirs is a numbers game. Yours is more of a personal. I I believe it was you guys that we spoke that a while back uh, about my back issues and stuff. And I think you said MRIs didn't start until the 90s. Is that you guys telling me that? Yeah. I mean, realistically, I mean, yeah. If you So I've done some research into like the history of back surgery and all that. And then you really look at it. 80s, 90s, X-ray, like, you know, we didn't really have this technology until, like, the real 1990s, and even then it was super expensive. Even now it's expensive, right? Right, but, right. But, right, imagine 30 years ago, right? It's, and so you start seeing all these things, and people say, hey, we could fix that, but we didn't really understand that that didn't really mean you were going to get better, right? right? But mm-hmm. we did it because now we could. So the evolution of technology has driven some healthcare costs because we could now do things. But a lot of people never really took a step back and said, "Did we do we need to do this?" Right? right? Like these people existed for years before we could take a picture of their back sure. and see these things. And you know, so it's it's interesting is in terms of a evolution of medicine combined with history and technology that you see that kind of where we're at, especially when you factor in not only just that, but then opioids and the right. opioid epidemic, like mm-hmm. where that came from. Right. There's been a lot of um, advancements in medicine and technology, but it doesn't mean always people are getting better. Mm. Yeah. What is it? Is it necessary? You know what I mean? Like is. Yeah. Has it has it has it been is, are things being over prescribed just because it exists? You well, know, because yeah, no, like you said, there was a day and a time where there was none of this. Yeah. What did people do back then? But don't they, they survive. <laughs> if, if you MRI like 10 people walking down the street, more than half of them are going to have a herniated disc. Yeah, or most of them. But not all of them are going to be in pain, all right? Yeah. It yeah. depends on if it's not hitting a nerve. I think that's what we talked about, yeah. was that imaging findings, You, if I MRI'd your back and you had a real problem, the next level up, there'd be something there too, and the mm. one above that, maybe right. not, whatever. The older you get, the more of those things you get. The, right. the art of it, the, the art of medicine is taking what you say, 
matching it to the imaging, matching sure. it to whatever other information I have to say, yeah, 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 that's messed up, that's messed up, that's messed up. But this is the one that you're complaining about. Mm. This is the reason you can't use your leg. Right. This is the reason you got sciatica. We can fix that. Let's only fix that. Right. Let's not fix the whole thing. Yeah, right, right. Pain is the big factor there. Everybody wants to be pain-free, right? And right, right. So, for us, for yeah. us, that's our thing, yeah. right? Aches, pains, no, no but I mean, surgery. you know, I tell a lot of patients, look, your body will figure some of this stuff out too, right? We're just trying to get you out of some pain for now until right. your body can heal itself too, mm-hmm. right? Because right. there's some of that that goes on too. So, you know, sometimes patients are eager, excited just to, you know, like I need to get out of pain. Listen, we'll, we'll get it better, but I'm not making your body heal itself. Only, you know, kind of time and giving it some, uh, you know, therapy, that kind of stuff is going to do that. Yeah, I heard something back when I was going through all my, my back issues. I, I, which I have definitely some some severed nerves because I have I always call it my Frankie makes fun of me I got a baby calf on my left side because my whole interior calf is atrophied away from <laughs> from I think it was a bot surgery really my first surgery that I had when I was in Maine at 22 oh yeah I was up in Maine they did it with a chainsaw it was done with a chainsaw. I could have already told you that was going to be a bad outcome he had surgery in Maine <laughs> they rolled they rolled the elk out of the room so you could have back surgery <laughs> I know, it was, it was the all... moose was scrubbed in on the uh, operation the moose is handing the surgery <laughs> no, it was definitely a long time ago, and that's maybe we can talk about that a little bit and get you guys take on that. Um, so I jumped off uh, when I was 22. I jumped 21, 22, 21, I think. I jumped off uh, something called Kingsman Quarry, and it's about a 110 foot rock quarry. It was a, it was an old miners quarry that they'd mined out, and they they got down so low they hit water, and it kind of filled up full of water, but it was about a hundred feet to the top of it. I jumped off this thing. There was only a few kids that, I guess, had balls enough to do it. I did it, and I, I hated heights. But anyway, I did it. I got it on camera, too. If you, I could probably dig it up. And uh, uh, fucking A-track? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Super 8. Super 8. Um, but when I, when, when, I, when I landed, when I hit, of course, it hurt a little bit, but I was fine. You know what I mean? I was, so, I was just happy to be alive. And that was maybe like on a Saturday, Sunday came and went, and then like Monday morning came around, I was supposed to get up, you know, I worked for my dad at the time, and I literally couldn't get out of bed. I was just in so much wrenching back pain. It was like literally killing me. And uh, my dad was like, ah, you pussy, lay in bed a couple days, and you'll be fine, or whatever, you know, and it, it wasn't fine, you know, and I, I, was, I was in some serious pain. I knew something was wrong. But I went through all that protocol, all that regiment that I was talking about. You know, I went, the first thing they did was, you know, they sent me to a, a pain specialist and they wanted to do the epidurals. Um, and I can remember laying there. The first one I ever had done, I remember laying, you know, you lay with your, your face through the hole. And uh, he put that thing in. And I was already in so much pain when he squirted that in. I'm, I'm assuming that you already have a bulging herniated disc. Are you talking about this shot? Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. He said he put it in. He squirted it. I don't know. What are we talking about here? <laughs> <laughs> I was I was awake, so I wasn't unconscious. So, but anyway, um, it it just immediately like you know caused more pain. I was like, oh my god! And I remember like I could barely walk to my car to get home. But I'm thinking, okay, like this is gonna work, you know? They tell me the lidocaine, cortisone, whatever will reduce this one. I go home, and it never subsided. It was just like horrible. So then. I started back back then. That was when they would prescribe you like oxy eighties back then. This was you know I was like this was nine, I moved to Jersey in ninety eight. This is probably like mid nineties. You know what I mean? And they were prescribing yeah. me oxy eighties like it was nothing. And I'm not a pill guy either. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I was popping these things like Pez just to just to get out of pain. So from that point, I was so young. I was like twenty one. They didn't want to do surgery. Like he's too young for surgery. 
So I went in, and I guess this was probably in the early days of MRIs where they weren't that clear or whatever. I ended up getting scheduled. I remember they, they tried to get me to do physical therapy. I couldn't even do it. Yeah, it you just know, Rubber band, the ball <clears throat> stuff, I couldn't even do it. I could barely get to the therapy yeah. place. I was in that much pain. They did the surgery, and I was, I was I, you know, being in that young mindset, and I was a healthy kid, I thought I was going to wake up and be immediately fine. I wasn't. I woke up, and I was still in pain. I was still hurting, but, you know, my dad and the doctor was like, it'll get better. You know, I just had surgery. Mm-hmm. You know, it'll get better. It never really got great, and then I moved to Jersey, like, the next year. I got to the point where I could work and I could do things, but I always felt like something was wrong. I came to Jersey. I went to see another uh, surgeon down here. He said, listen, before we do another surgery, because you're probably a candidate, you know, and I think this guy gave me pretty good, honest advice, you know, he sent me to uh, physical rehab again, you know, he sent me to a place in Brick, it's not even there anymore, uh, I was right next to Retro Fitness over there, and I went over and I got, I, I hooked up with these two girls that worked there, and they were great, and they had me doing all these different things, and they really helped me, and it got me into a better place, mm-hmm. but it was never like right, and then my calf, I started noticing my left calf started getting smaller and smaller, no matter how much I did legs. And I'm like, yeah. what the hell is going on? You know what I mean? I think they severed a nerve, the, my first surgery I ever had. And, um, you know, I, I think it, 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 it you know, the, the atrophy yeah. it caused because, you know, you need that stimulus from the nerve to go to the muscle, to oh, tell no, the muscle absolutely. to grow. And I, I, I don't have that anymore. And I don't think there's any fixing that, right? If it's severed, it's severed, right? Someone told me that your sciatic nerve grows back at the rate of like one millimeter a nerves, month. No, I mean, so nerves grow back very, 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 very Slow, slowly. Right. But if you outright cut or injure Correct. a nerve, then no, that's Done. not that's yeah. not coming back. I'm pretty sure but that's what I've you got put, going on. You're talking about like pressure on a nerve right, or right. irritation of a nerve. Yeah, that you know that kind of heal is. That, yeah, right, right. if you're just outright cutting, no. I think that's what happened to me <laughs> because I don't think it severed when I jumped off the, yeah. the thing. I mean, you know, I wasn't I wasn't even in pain till days later. So. Yeah. So I don't know. I always say that that's at least my theory on it. And then I came down here, you know, and then I started experiencing more pain maybe like five or six years ago, something like that. And I went to go see Dr. Bashir that I was telling you about mm-hmm. at JFK Center in Edison. And he did pretty much the same surgery over. He didn't want to cage me. I went to see a doctor down here that wanted to go through my stomach and, yeah. and put a cage in. And I was A like, cage would be a fuse? Yeah. Fusion. And I was like, Jesus, I'm thinking I'm going to have a big scar yeah. on my stomach. I was like, let me go get a second opinion. So I went up to see this Dr. Brashear at JFK, and he said, no, 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 we'll save that. Maybe one day you'll need that. That's too much. So he basically repeated the same thing. I had an L4, L5 disectomy and an S1 decompression. Mm-hmm. And then because I had all this numbness and tingling and pain down my leg, I went to see another doctor um, and did a nerve release in my leg where he made, I don't know, maybe I might have like six incisions on my leg where they actually, they try to, I guess it's pretty much burning those nerves or whatever to... Is that, is that radio ablation? <clears throat> no. You no. just said like three different possible surgeries? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, We're yeah, going like, to clarify there's here. There's like four things that could be. I know what the back stuff well, was. Well, the dissectomy, yeah. the decompression, yeah. you're familiar with those, yeah, S1 no. decompression. No, I got L4. all the back stuff. The yeah. six incisions yeah, yeah. Like, can be like... Eight different things. I don't know exactly know what you had there. He called it a nerve release, is what he called it. I mean, if you can, if you say that. What else you know, did he do? <laughs> were you awake What'd for you all that? What you sign up for? Yeah. <laughs> no, if you have like entrapment of some of the peripheral mm-hmm. nerves, like you, you got you, you like a funny bone, right? Well, I had a nerve study done yeah. prior to this where they put all. Yeah, the, you had an EMG. They, yeah, they EMG. do the conductivity between the, and it came back really bad. I remember the guy was like, "Holy shit, you got a ton of nerve damage." 
And then I thought it was called a nerve release surgery. It, it, I mean, it really could or be. Or ablation. Perineal, no, it could have been. Right. But perineal, it wouldn't have been ablation. Perineal nerve release no. is a yep. thing. A carpal tunnel surgery is a peripheral nerve release, okay. right? There's a there's a nerve that runs from your brain down to your hand. You cut the little thing over it, you've released the peripheral nerve. You can do that in the leg, too. There's okay. all kinds of nerves with names down in the leg that can be released if the EMG shows that it's not that it's bad in your back. It's mm -hmm. that it's bad in your leg somewhere. You've got... Well, yeah. I mean, that's where the EMG, you know, that nerve test you mm -hmm. have with the little... That's where it tells us, is it in your leg or your yeah. back, right? Okay. Like that helps us figure that out, right? So they must have saw something on that that suggested mm -hmm. it was your leg or right. there was nerve entrapment happening in your leg, which is why they kind of went after that. Well, I had it done and I, and it definitely didn't, you know, make it, it may have made it slightly better, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? But I still have a lot of numbness and yeah. tingling, but I can deal with that, you know what no, I mean? Numbness, I tell it's the pain I mean, you that I can deal with. You probably tell patients the same thing. Numbness, once it's there for a couple years, right. like that's there. there now. Yep. Yeah, that's not that's not going and away. And it's it's bare, I can live with it. I've kind yeah. of just become part of my life. But when, it, you know, when when the pain hits, mm -hmm. that's you, nobody wants to live like that, you know, mm -hmm. so. So, yeah. I've been, so when did you get your fusion? You talked to me about yeah, 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 yeah. I, I didn't, but when, oh. when I'm ready, you're saying? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought you got infused. Right. Yeah. No, I never got a fusion. No, no, no. I went, I didn't want, I went to see the doctor. He was, he was a little, he was, you know, more in this area. And then someone suggested going to see Dr. Bashir and he just said, hold off on it. You don't need that yet. So that's what I did. You know, I'm kind of, I don't know. I'm three surgeries in now. I kind of don't want to have yeah, anymore. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Decompression surgery where they take, pressure off the nerve you've had yep. that two to three times however right. many surgeries you've had you herniate a disc presumably what you did when you were a kid you're mm -hmm. 21 years old yep. you have the discs i i'm like jelly donuts they got tough on the outside really soft in the middle as soon as you hit it hard enough to squirt some of that jelly out now it's a little defect there's always a chance you could herniate again right it'll heal over it'll scar over but there's always a chance it's going to reherniate so you. you were a kid you herniated a disc you got it taken out Presumably, at some point, again, you re-herniated or something. That's the only reason somebody had to go back in right. to do another discectomy. And yeah, you're for sure young enough. Fusion is fusion is fusion is the the mainstay of, of old school spine surgery. But mm, 2022, you know, t modern spine surgery says fusion is as much the disease as it is the treatment sometimes, mm, right. because you got you know five mobile levels in the bottom of your back. You bend forward, backward, side to side. They divide them evenly. If I start putting rods and screws and stuff. Now the rest of them got to pick up the load. Mm. Three, the, you even have a one level fusion rate is three percent a year for the rest of your life. You'll need another fusion at the level above it or below it. Yep. So if you get it now, you're forty something. You know, three percent next year, not a big deal. That's a low number. Ten years from now, up to thirty percent. Okay, right. well you're still only fifty. Thirty years from now, almost one hundred percent, you're still alive. You know, still alive yep. with good quality of life. So you want to avoid fusion if at all possible. Right, mm. right. Some people need it. Some people need the cure today yep. and they say I'll deal with 20 years from now because I can't live like this right. that's mm -hmm. back to the consumer of healthcare you're yep. telling me what are your priorities what do you want yeah. how bad is it now yeah no I, I, I'm good now I wouldn't have it now <laughs> he was like yeah, now I'm that good. you just scared I'm me good. with those numbers yeah. there's well, zero I mean, chance that, that's, that's what I I mean I just had the disectomy <laughs> and, and that was pretty much the option was either fuse or not and doctor you mentioned the same thing like you're, you're gonna need one above or below i mean mine's l5s1 so there's nothing below right but you're definitely gonna need above i'm like nah, i'm gonna wait and honestly the, i feel great i'm glad i did it that way you for know? sure no but i mean i think we talked to you about it right less yeah, yeah. is more unless it is out of control i can't live like this slash or i'm pooping peeing myself or like right, my right. leg doesn't work right like short of that Less is more, and I think we both think that way too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and uh, not that you need to undo a discectomy, but you haven't burned any bridge. You do a discectomy, you just go scoop some of that stuff right. out. Depending how you do it, you really don't burn any bridge for anything ever again, anything mm -hmm. in the future. But once you put rods and screws and cages in, there's no right. taking it out. I right. mean, 
you kind of can, but you really can't. Yeah, understood. Yeah. What what is uh, CrossFit keeps you guys in business, right? <laughs> CrossFit kind of keeps him in business. Yeah, no, more than me because you'll see a lot of sports injuries and herniations and stuff, yeah. and even jumping on this box, that box, like messing up and you know falling face first. So it's good though. I mean, yeah. I, I I applaud people exercising in general, right? I mean, because most patients and most people don't. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to fault someone. Yeah, yeah I'm not yeah, going to fault yeah. someone for no, at least I, getting out there and doing something. Absolutely, I'm just busting balls. But yeah, I mean, because CrossFit <laughs> is about it's about how many reps, not about how the form. You know what I mean? Stuff like that. Sometimes that's why. I heard no, but I've, no, I've I've had patients yeah. from CrossFit for yeah, sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, you rarely do something bad enough to yourself unless you slip and fall off one of those boxes to really need a surgery for it. But yeah, yeah. you're you're more I mean, wear and tear. Yeah, uh, everything. Pain management stuff, right? Yeah, everything with everything with good form is good enough for you you know mm. you, you know there's no such thing as a, uh, an 800 pound squat that that's good for you right, but you right, do it with good form hey right. at least you're trying to preserve your back and stuff right, like that right but crossfit gets people active gets people going there's nothing wrong with that yeah. but it's more enthusiasm than form and they're just doing it and somebody's mm. just screaming at them keep going keep mm. going you're just loading your body in unusual ways right. right you're designed to stand walk sit in a certain way and now you're jumping on an eight foot box no one designed that for you to do that yeah. you know a lot of that fast twitch muscle stuff too. It seems a lot of, a lot of that snap action stuff, which seems just more probable to uh, is that injury. Is that, would you th- would you think people that have more fast twitch, like Bo Jackson, remember how he ripped his whole hip off his bone? That's true. Is that, is that from being like so athletic? <laughs> you think, or is just freak accident or luck of the draw type thing? I mean, people people will will count most common one is distal biceps. You do yeah. something over physiological load, you can yeah, just rupture your distal biceps. Uh, so yeah, that's sort of possible. I don't know about all that, but you know, there's there's stuff that you can do. You can condition yourself to be so strong that you overload the tendons, ligaments, and stuff. Can you like, okay like that? Like me, like one day I, I threw I threw a, a hook and I blew my I tore my bicep. Didn't roll all the way up, yeah. tiny bit. Yeah, didn't have to get surgery or anything. You know, healed on his own. It took a long time to heal. Mm-hmm. Like, what, is is that preventable? Is there anything to, is that just how it goes? Conditioning, as stupid as the word sounds, conditioning, because who, the most common ones are Achilles tendon ruptures and distal Mm -hmm. biceps ruptures. Mm -hmm. And there's a whole like chapter in a book on this and it's under the weekend warriors, the people who don't do anything, the people who don't stay in shape. And then they go, oh, Tough Mudder's in town. I'll go do a Tough Mudder. And they they (laughs) rupture their Achilles tendons. All right. That makes sense though. But what about like, you know, Kobe Bryant torn it, you know what I mean? Just, just freak accident. Just Just freak accident. That was just freak. Yeah. Yeah. There's, you know, you can condition your muscles, tendons, ligaments, your tendons, ligaments have no blood vessels. They just survive based on what's around them. The muscles you can condition, you can make them bigger, you can make them stronger. You can cultivate what kind of twitch fibers you have and how, what you're able to do with them. But the tendons and ligaments, they're just what they're going to be. You know, they're not really going to grow with you the way your muscles will. So that you, you get disproportionately strong is the wrong word, but you get disproportionately, you know, built up. And the rest of your body's not made to, not to take that. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. And you can load it doing other stuff. You know, not that baseball players are over physiologically, you know, too strong, but, you know, certain arm motions, you're putting stress on your elbow that, again, was not designed for. Mm-hmm. We don't have the like right. Tommy John. It, it's exactly yeah, what that's yeah. about. There's some ligament in here that holds your elbow together, and it's fine for you to lift all day on that and hit people with it, but you're not meant to use it like a whip, whip it, yeah. and, and break it that way. And there's a study that they did on the Tommy John ligament that says that the average pitch puts 98 newton meters of force on the medial ulnar collateral ligament and the breaking tension of that ligament is about 110 so the average pitch is 98 and it ruptures at 110 so it's right there there. constantly every pitch right at the red line yeah yeah wow 
That's pretty cool. Can you talk about PRP and its application and maybe what you did with Frankie? And Actually, yeah. Well, because you guys said PRP is much more studied than stem cells. I think everyone always says, here you hear stem cells a lot. It's kind of new, sure. you know? But you guys explained to me that PRP is more studied and there, more, I mean, more, right? listen, so there's not a whole lot of studies about either at this point, mm-hmm, right? Okay. And that's partially because... If you look at ways studies are paid for, it's mostly government funded. The government doesn't really care about this stuff. Uh, you know, so there's not a ton of studies out there in terms of both stem cells or PRP. Wait, but, wait, the government just sent a couple million dollars over to Indonesia for transgender studies, didn't they? You're telling me they don't <laughs> care about this stuff? Unfortunately not. Uh, there's no clinical trials for a lot of these things. And that's uh, the unfortunate part, too, with like PRP. You know what I mean? That's why it's, it's not covered by a lot of insurances because it hasn't been studied all that well. And part of that is because, you know, a, a lot of... There's there's not a lot of money in it for some of these companies and that right at the end of the day money makes the world go around unfortunately mm-hmm. and there isn't a whole lot of money in in some of these companies to study PRP right we know it helps but at the end of the day there is isn't the reason great because you're harvesting it from the patient you're not well yeah no I mean, lab is yeah there's, this? yeah right. you can't you can't uh, you can't patent that process right because right? everyone already does it right. right so it's already out there so putting it through you know there there's no benefit to uh, most of these companies mm-hmm. but either way i will say that like i like we talked about that there is better data in my opinion about prp mm-hmm. and some of the studies and that's also why for instance right like the military insurance will cover prp injections for knee arthritis right there's been at least some studies that show that it's beneficial and it's helpful they wouldn't make that decision unless there was at least some data or some some so credence to that it, yeah. yeah but no company, no insurance company, no one's covering stem cells for anything. And just it's a lack of research. Right. I'm not saying it doesn't work. It's just that we haven't studied it to a point that you're going to get broad um, application, broad acceptance. Understood, yeah. um, but getting back to PRP, I mean, the, the concept of PRP is phenomenal, right? It's basically draw your blood down, get good chemicals out of your blood that contain growth factors, right? Things that make your body heal, right? So these are like vascular endothelial growth factors, just just different chemicals, right? And what they do is promote the tissue to restore itself and improve blood flow. Like he was saying, blood is basically how we heal, right? If someone doesn't have good blood flow in down into their feet, like diabetics and this and that, mm. they get a little cut, it's never gonna heal, right? So you need blood to heal, right? So by injecting this substance, you're you're basically promoting increased blood flow, increased creation of blood vessels into these structures that may not have great blood flow anyway. And by bringing that blood flow, which is really bringing oxygen, which really is what heals things, right? It allows for improved regeneration, improved mm-hmm. healing, right? So there's a lot of, not theory, but I mean, there's there's good thought behind why these things would work. And like I said, we, we, in practical knowledge, know it works, right? We give patients these injections, we do it, right? And we yeah. know that it helps, but you're not going to have, you know, a hundred thousand, you know, patient studies that shows mm-hmm. it helps because there's no one who's making money off of sure. it like that, right? Yeah. right. Who's going to spend, you know, $20 billion I mean, to run that study. It makes, it makes sense to me. I mean, shit, vampires drink blood. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like but no, but seriously, uh, did like Benjamin Franklin say something about like, uh, medicine's gonna be in our food and or, or within our, within ourselves or something like kind of makes no, sense I mean, that the your, body your, is, your own no, self's we, gonna heal you. Yeah, you know? we have very strong uh, potential or ability to heal ourselves, right? And so what you're doing with PRP is basically accelerating that, right? By saying, hey, instead of just getting a few of these chemicals in there, let's just drop a whole bomb of these chemicals mm, in there and right, see what right. happens, right? Yeah, your your blood is like is you, you get a cut, it looks red, and you assume it's all just one thing. Your blood is like a clear soup that's full of stuff. 
Mm. And that stuff is predominantly red blood cells, which is why your blood is red. But it's also full of all the chemicals that your body uses to heal itself. And the whole idea of PRP is you go in, they draw your regular blood out of your regular veins, they spin it out, they separate the clear parts from the red parts from the chemical parts, and then they just take out the chemical bit that makes things heal on their own and put them right in wherever it needs to be. That's the whole idea. Your body was already delivering that stuff to that area, correct? but right. not enough to, and, to heal it. And it kind of creates trauma, right? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, and that's, sort of, yeah, right. So there's part of it that's inflammation. Part of it is restoration healing, right? But that's where for a lot of acute injuries, right? Like you're talking about acute, you know, meniscus tear or ACL tear or rotator cuff tears. You put this injection at that site, you're going to create inflammation, right? But inflammation creates scarring, which is pretty close to healing, right? At the end of the day, you cut yourself, you're going to scar, but you're also going to heal. So by putting that material at that right location, you can probably enhance that scarring and basically get a result of, of fixing a torn tendon, torn meniscus, torn rotator cuff, what have you, mm-hmm. without necessarily having surgery. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a minimally invasive way to take care of something without actually cutting you. And everything he just listed is an avascular structure. Rotator cuff muscle has blood, but the rotator cuff tendon Correct. doesn't. Mm. Meniscus is not is an avascular organ. It does right. not These are things that don't heal on their own because they don't no have blood. blood flow, right? right? Exactly. So we're giving it to it. Now, now like, I, I'm, I've heard this before that sometimes, you know, epidurals, they say epidurals, they, they say it could be the medicine or could it be the needle that's creating the trauma to bring blood to the so, area to, to heal it? No, so, so part of it with the epidural, right? So some of it is medicine, but... There's actually been studies where they just inject saline. And so they think that some of it is the just washing out of inflammatory chemicals, right? Mm-hmm. Like if I'm just injecting, you know, you just take a hose and hose down an area, you're cleaning it, right? So mm-hmm. that's the same thought process. If you just inject in that area, is that rush of fluid, that pressure washing away some of the bad chemicals from that area, mm-hmm. right? So that's why there is some data that suggests patients even get better with just epidural uh, injections with saline, no, mm-hmm. no steroids, mm-hmm. no medicine just putting saline in there. But um, at the same time, the, the steroids are meant to reduce the inflammation right. from from the disc, right? It's, you know, I always joke with patients, it's like God's poor design. Let's put a whole soup of bad chemicals right in the middle next to all your really sensitive nerves yeah. and let's see what happens, right? right. Yeah, that's, right. A, that's, that's a way to look at it. Yeah, I never heard that. Frank, I never heard that theory actually. Kind of, kind of does make sense, you mm-hmm. know, the, the trauma from the needle from itself. The, yeah. It's almost, it's almost like a placebo effect for your your yeah. herniation. But like even like, uh, I mean, massage. Is massage really scientifically backed? It's, I mean, but I think it's just the fact that you got someone rubbing some and bringing blood to that area, probably, right? If I yeah, I mean, feel I'll, better. That's what happens to me when you rub that area. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, now. Um, no, but I mean, that's it's the same thing with like TENS units, right? Like mm-hmm. a lot of people right. use TENS yeah. unit or you go to a physical therapist or wherever, they put a TENS unit the electrical stimulation is just improving blood flow, right. which does feel good, right? Like right. it heats it up, it makes it feel better, it feels therapeutic. Um, in the long run, has that been shown to permanently heal a previous damaged structure? No, but certainly while you're doing it, it feels good. Put your put your body in a good environment to heal. No, right? what's what's the one? It's, I call it a tens machine, but it's not. It's got a different name that they actually implant into your spine. Spinal cord stimulator. I had that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I did like a ten day trial. And yeah, it was mostly. I mean, I, I always have a little bit of pain, but it's bearable. It's a manageable pain. But the numbness and tingling was driving yeah. me crazy for so sure, long. Sure, they sure. thought that they could maybe, you know, sort of tricking your brain yeah. really is what it's doing, and it didn't work. So we t- we did the ten day trial and took it out. Yeah. No. So I mean, yeah. that's. I mean, so when I talk to patients about that, that's like the best 
best part that we're like, hey, we're going to test drive this. Right. If it doesn't work out, we're not moving forward, right? And I tell patients, like, we don't want home runs, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you're not going to convince me to put this in you unless you come in here saying, oh, my God, that felt amazing, yeah. right? And I had the, the rep from the company was great. I yeah. used, used to talk. I used to talk to her all the time, and she could she could sit at home with her laptop and like adjust this thing, you know. So, yeah. so we did it at like pretty much every possible setting you could, and I really didn't notice any yeah. difference. I was, I think, some days you wake up like really yeah. hopeful, and you're like, oh man, and then no. But most patients know. are like kind of in your shoes. They they want this to work, right? So right. they're going to give it a fair shot. They're right. not like writing it off right off the bat, right? And that's why I tell most patients, you know, like, hey, my job is to give you this option but at the end of the day it depends on if it helps you or right. not right Correct. the majority of patients we know from studies you know most patients seven out of ten eight out of ten are going to move forward but every two three yeah. don't right yeah. and you're unfortunately your case it well didn't. they said it would they they felt a lot more confident if yeah. i was strictly dealing with pain i wasn't pain wasn't my biggest factor it was no. more the numbness and tingling no but said, so numb th- yeah. those are never it's right. never going to make numbness right like right. i just told you if right. you have nerve damage Give it a couple of years. If it doesn't get better, right. it is lifelong. That's like, unfortunately, it. It, it, yep. it is what it is. Yep. But, yeah, so those type of stimulators are never meant to really improve numbness. Or mm-hmm. it, Unfortunately, almost nothing improves numbness. Right. Right. Um, certainly, if the tingling was there, but it was painful tingling, then maybe it would have yep. been uh, improved. But most patients are kind of like, especially when they have numbness, they're like, you know what? It sucks. I know it's numb, but at least it doesn't hurt. Exactly. Right. That's kind of how so, I view yeah. it. Yeah. And so yep. in that situation, then yeah, I would have probably not even yep. offered you that. I mean, yep. Like you know what? Then right. it's it's not going to do what you kind of want it to do. No stimulator is going to get rid of that numbness. No yep. stimulator is going to get rid of that like mild tingling that you feel. Right. Um, now, if you're having pain, that's that's why you would use it. Yeah. Yeah, that's they kind of gave me that. And maybe yeah. at the time, this was years ago. Yeah. Maybe I did have some residual pain, mm-hmm. but it's never been, you know, other than when I had that first surgery done, that was the most excruciating pain I've ever been in in my life. But with the exception of that, it's all been sort of bearable, sort, yeah. of, sort of manageable. It's just annoying. Yeah, you no, know? but I mean, listen, I mean, and I think he brought that up earlier uh, is that, you know, what's your goals? What's your quality of life? Right. You know, you got years and years ahead of you, right? So you don't want to get super aggressive at the age of 30 and right. 40. You know, that's just going to be a bad spell down the road, right? Like you're going to have more problems. So as long as you're tolerating what you want to do, you're doing what you mostly want to do, you don't want to get too aggressive too early, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's hard um, for most patients because, you know, you you need guidance in that. But yeah. that's where forming a relationship with a doctor who knows you over the years and says, hey, look, you're now at a point that you, yeah, look, you do need this, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, but before normally they're the ones saying, no, 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 hold off, hold off. But that takes having a good relationship with a doctor that sure. you trust, right? Yep. Yeah. What, what do you guys feel about acupuncture and chiropractic? Well, I mean, I, I'll give you my two cents. So there was actually a big study that was done in JAMA. It was like 2016. Looked at uh, It was called a meta-analysis that looked across all these um, different studies, put together like 30,000 patients looking at chiropractic care. So in acute chiropractic care, that study looked at and said it was about the 50-50 club, right? 50% of patients got better 50% of the time. The one take-home I got from that study was that no one got hurt, right? Mm-hmm. Like So at least for acute low back pain, it's for the most part not going to hurt. You have a pretty good chance of getting some relief. And that's also because, you know, with chiropractors, it's a lot more of things they do to you than physical therapy where, or, you know, working with a trainer where you're doing most of the exercise, you're doing a lot. So, especially when someone's kind of like flared up and just it's too painful for them to move, I'm like, just go see a chiropractor. Let them put some heat on you. Let them put some stem on you. Do you know how a chiropr- who started chiropractic? You ever hear about that? No. The guy, this, the guy that started chiropractic learned it in a seance. 
Oh, really? In a seance, yeah. So who in the seance taught him? Like, which yeah, spirit? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he said he used, could cure deaf people with it. Yeah, no, I don't believe yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There is good yeah. literature on acupuncture for whatever reason for for back yeah. pain kind of thing, right. and okay. it's one of those things that all studies. And if you and if you listen every time you ask a question to which there is a real answer, one of us is saying, "Well, there was a study that showed." Because mm-hmm. even the smartest doctor just knows what other people have researched already. Right, That's of sort of what yeah, it is. Yeah. But there, there's two ways to do research. You can say, "Hey, I'm going to do a thing to you, and I'm going to follow you. I'm going to get X-rays to see what it looks like in." Two weeks, four weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks, and see what it looks like. And the alternative is to say, I did something to you. How do you like it? How do you feel? Yeah. Where maybe nothing inside of you had to change, but suddenly you feel better. It's, and, like, it's like causation or correlation. right? right. Yeah. So medicine is changing. Old school. 20, 30 years ago, the only thing that matters is progression on x-rays. If I do something to you, does your bone look better on an x-ray? And mm. that's for broken bones. That's still the case. Right. But for everything, we used to just say, what does it look like? Does it look like it's getting better? Damn, I'm good. I did that. It looks better. Medicine is getting away from that because I can do a hell of a fusion and you could still be miserable. Mm-hmm. And I can just say, your x-rays look great, mm-hmm. uh, but you're still miserable. So we're switching perspectives-wise. Mm-hmm. And so the, the big study on acupuncture didn't ask, did we increase vascularity in the lower back? Did we increase the way your nerves are responding in your lower back? It just said, are people happy after they got it? Yeah, and right. the study in acupuncture said... Yeah, people with low back pain get better with acupuncture. They have no idea why. We're not investigating why. They were just happy. And I wonder how much of that is them just getting better over time anyway. You know what I mean? I wonder. Yeah, it could be. Or or a placebo effect. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, everything has a placebo effect. Mm, But I will say, if you look at some of the acupuncture locations, they do sit near something called neurovascular bundles. So even these people thousands of years ago figured out where our nerves and our blood vessels come together. And that's actually where a lot of the acupuncture points are. So there, there is some science behind it, right? Like that even then they knew that these are certain areas where parts like integral parts of our body come, come together. Okay. I, I was explaining acupuncture is there's 12 channels of pain in your body. Say this channel three is just really, you know, firing, bothering you. You take the acupuncture, the needles, and you take it from this one. You spread it among all twelve channels, mm-hmm. so that three gets dissipated among twelve, and it's bearable. Does that make any sense? I think you're the expert on this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will say I skipped. I'm that not lesson. a voodoo. I'm not a voodoo guy. Bro. That's the thing. That's why. I Like, no, but I mean, so uh, there's some scientific base. Like I said, the, so acupuncture points are near neurovascular bundles, which we know transmit a lot of uh, pain and different things like that. The other part of it is just the physical act of putting a needle in can be very um, relieving, especially yeah. in tense muscles, right? Mm-hmm. So that's why like exists dry needle. It's almost like trauma then too, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, I mean, especially if something's really tight and spastic, putting a needle in, you can break up some of that spasm, right? So that's why they used to allow dry needling uh, where not even injecting anything, just take a needle if something's really tight, spastic, just put a needle in. And I even do it even when I do you know, give someone trigger points or something mm-hmm. like that. You'll see, you'll elicit a spasm yeah. if the muscle's really tight. I'm doing and, it right now it. and I yeah. almost always get a muscle spasm. Yeah, you'll when... see it, right? And that's like a, that's when someone that's when muscles have what's called myofascial pain, right? Mm. So basically when muscles are um, healthy, they're very loose, limber, they can stretch, they can move over time. If they've especially been beat up or used in ways they're not supposed to, they get real tough, tense, dense, you know, it's almost like, you know, veal versus steak. Right. And so when you get to that steak point, a lot of the connective tissue on top connects these muscles in ways they're not supposed to be connected. And so a spasm, one area can kind of propagate down in other areas. And so, by putting in that needle, you kind of break up a lot of that connective tissue connection. So that way, 
way those muscles can start to work independently and kind of relax again. But that's why when you, you know, that's almost like what you're looking for when someone's giving mm-hmm. you trigger point injections, you, you want to see that release of that spasm yeah. from putting in the, the needle. And they, and they couple it with, with the TENS machine. They actually hook the yeah. TENS machine oh, up I'm to t- the needle. Oh, so yeah. you're talking about PENS, right? So you're talking about percutaneous electrical nerve, conduct, right? So they put the little needles in and then connect the TENS unit yeah. up to, yeah. yeah. And I, just, I, I was just calling it acupuncture because I thought that's what it was, but... <laughs> yeah. And the <laughs> Close chiro- enough. The chiropractic stuff, if it, it just like anything in life, it makes you feel good. Do it. You know, yep. there's no harm in doing something, especially if there's a licensed qualified professional yeah. who says, "Hey, I." I'm going to do this to make, make you better. That's really all that I say. Yeah. Uh, I'm and that's why I can tell you this is going to make you better. No, but and that's why I brought up that uh, study about chiropractors, right? Like, hey, 50-50 club, but no one got hurt. Right, mm. right. So at that's the end of the day, and out. I tell a lot of patients, look, if it helps you, go. I'm not going to, I don't have all the answers for everyone. You know what I mean? So if you found something that helps you, whether it be over the counter, as long as it's not illegal and not a illegal substance or whatever, then go ahead and use it. I don't I don't care. As long as it, you feel like it helps you. I don't know how much it helps me. I, I think I look at it like this. When I, I, I am trying not to view another surgery as an option, although one day it might be. But like you said, mm-hmm. I'm still relatively young. So I look for options. When when time doesn't seem to fix my issue, you know, my back pain, which I've, I was like two years good, maybe even more, three years good, where I really had very, very little. And then the last like three months. So instead of going to see a surgeon, I was like, let me go back to my old, you know, chiropractor and maybe it's just buying me time. I don't know. But, you know, I don't walk out of there and and I I don't I'm not like, oh, my God, I'm so much Mm. better. But like it's just it's I feel like I'm being proactive and doing something. You know what I mean? And I do the acupuncture. Probably it's all in my head. I'm like, if we can stimulate something in this leg, let's do it. (laughs) Let's. And I know I know it's never going to happen, but. You know. They do implants. <laughs> yeah, yeah, calf implants. Yeah. Hey, maybe. You'd be like Johnny Drama? Might be. Yeah, a, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's and right. it just speaks to changing priorities in healthcare. That's why there aren't billions of dollars of studies into PRPs because what did your grandfather do? He just worked until it didn't hurt anymore or until mm. he died. Like those mm. were his two options. Right. And medicine of that era was just like, well, you know, this guy was on the the, the, the rail line and he, he finally can't work. So what do we got to do? We got to hit him with everything. Big surgeries. You got to make him better because he wants to get back on the rail line. Well, that's fine. Our healthcare priorities are changing though. People are younger. They say, hey, I don't want to just be miserable and work forever. I kind of want to feel a little bit better for right. my fifties or my forties. Right. Your grandfather didn't care about that, you know? No. And so research efforts uh, have to change priorities we want wasn't some of that too life expectancy is now a little bit more than it was well i mean you don't think so it's constantly it's constantly getting higher this year is the first year it went down Oh well, because COVID, COVID, COVID and opioids. I'm jumping on that. Yeah, COVID and opioids. Not for me. I'm people jumping on like, that. The biggest reason people are, are citing is is possible socioeconomic issues. You know, mm. it, you can look at you can look by zip code and and, ex, and change your expected longevity. Right, you know, right. you go to a, a quote unquote bad neighborhood, the life expectancy isn't as long. Why is it? Is it? Is it? Violence is it people you know hurting each other, right. or is it just that they Stress. can't afford to, to eat well, right. and yeah, and that's right. what's killing them in, in the long run? Mm. And so everybody everybody's poorer than they were last year, and everybody's mm. you know yeah. lost so their job yeah, or, or whatever. Makes sense, yeah. And and big picture, that's probably as bad for anybody as yep. a disc herniation is. You sure, know, sure. you lose your main source of income, you can't eat right. You're not you know as a nation, are, we're vegetables are expensive. Yeah. You know, we're definitely less healthy as a nation than we are we were 
years past for sure, right? For sure. Oh, I can. I patients coming into the office every day, blood pressure out of control, blood sugar but, out of control. Okay, so what do you think that is? Is it because our diets so bad? No, I mean, no, I think with COVID over the last year, couple of years, people have been not going to their doctors, not mm-hmm. taking care of right. Like everyone's at home, depressed, eating whatever mm-hmm. you know, whatever they want, not, not really that. exercising. So I think over those two years, it's catching up to people now, right? Like that's where we see it, right? Like people, you know, they they're not complaining or anything. Walk in and blood pressure is one eighty over one twenty. Whoa, what, what's going on here? Right. You know what I mean? And, oh, I haven't seen my cardiologist in six months yeah. everyone you know so it's important now that we caught a lull you know and i think we got we got a, you know good solid six seven eight months ahead of us where right. covid cases should be down mm-hmm. and you know, i encourage all patients and people you know get out go see your doctors go take care of what you need to and try and get as healthy as possible right now you know what about me getting on the adrenochrome kick you guys are <laughs> you guys are promoting the properties of blood should i go start uh sucking the blood out of babies is that good or <laughs> I, I don't even know what you're talking yeah, about. No, I, think, right. I think you're the expert on that one. Yeah. Just we the, just had we our good friend Jesse. We just had dinner with him tonight, and he would he would go on for an hour about adrenochrome conspiracy theories yeah. type stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You guys really have never heard of that? No, no, you don't want to. No, don't, don't, don't look it up. Don't look it up. Don't look it up. I mean, what's nuts is that PRP. I said blood is clear soup. There's 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 clear parts. There's red cells, and then there's just. They call it the Buffy coat or the white layer yeah. in between. It's where everything is. And even PRP injections is basically nothing but we're going to take that whole white layer where we know some of the good stuff is, and that's all we can give you. We can't no. We can't distill down just the best parts of that layer to give you. All we can it's do all, is say, this is the good part. This is just red blood cells. This is nothing. This is where all the good stuff is. Right. I can't be any more specific than that. Mm-hmm. I can't pick out... A one thing out of that. If I need to give you something so specific, I got to grow it in the lab and then give it to you. There's no way to, to get that out of you, right. at least so specifically. But it's not, yeah, I mean, these chemicals, we're talking about like, you know, infinitesimally small chemicals, right, that you can't even harvest or grow, you know what I mean? So they don't, it's not practical to harvest like blood or something like that, right? These are small components of blood. So it's in, almost impossible to get otherwise. There'll be one molecule of it in a vial of blood. Oh. Now, could you get PRP from someone else's blood? Is that possible? I mean, you can, but you wouldn't want to inject it. I mean, because it it's not cross match. It's not. It, it, it would. It would have would to it'd probably be hard to. to cross oh no, you would. You, yeah, you would react. I mean, you would have no a, matter what. Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. That's why the whole beauty of PRP it's got to be your blood. But right. that's why you know, it's, unfortunately, some people are eliminating are like uh, cancer patients or you know they have leukemia and lymphoma. Oh, right? you're not getting blood's not. No, good yeah, yeah, yeah. If your blood's not good, you're not a candidate. We're not doing mm. this. Uh, yeah. Hmm. Even if it was the same blood type, yeah, yeah, no, I mean, because it's not, it's not checked. No, right. there's right. no capacity blood, to check it. Blood type is the one biggest and easiest to measure thing that we can use to say your blood's okay to go in him. But below the blood type, there's a hundred more th- things that are possible incompatibilities. Okay. But you know what? If you're dying. We got the big one. Right. You give it the rest we'll worry, of it. We'll worry But this is like totally elective. Like, hey, yeah. we don't need to do this. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> Why give why, you a you know a possible deadly allergic reaction? Understood. <laughs> yeah, because that could happen. You could. No, yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, right. if, I, like if I drew his blood and injected it in me, of course. Wow. Yeah, know, it would not. Yeah, yeah, it would. I mean, I don't yeah. even know what blood type I have, but <laughs> literally every single thing in your blood has some kind of antigen antibody reaction that's for you. You give it to somebody else, it's going to have some kind of reaction. Wow. The red cells, which is usually what you're getting a blood transfusion for, 
they mostly stick to the one big thing, the blood yeah. type. But everything in there has a possible, you know, uh, reaction that somebody can get, which is why you can get a cross-matched blood. You can get blood that's your type in the hospital when you need it and still have a reaction to it. That's why yeah. when, we, when we're in the hospital, what, what they'll actually do is they basically just take the donor blood and your blood before they give it to you, they put it in a little Petri dish and watch what happens. Oh, if it, wow. like, yeah, they double. Yeah, so if you're actually, like, if you're going to do some big surgery and you're like, hey, we're going to need blood for this. Like, I know I'm going to transfuse this guy. If you cross match them for blood, they will literally take a piece of that blood and the other blood they want to donate and mix it together and make sure nothing happens. happens. And then they label that and send it to your operating room and say, hey, this is the blood for this guy if you need it. Let's say there is an adverse reaction, then they just try a different sample? Yeah, I mean, so you basically just stop what you're giving, treat whatever's going on, and then, yeah, go to, like, universal donated blood or whatever. But, yeah, yeah, but, no, but, I mean, that's why when you you specifically ask for something called being cross-matched for blood, they will cross the two bloods together and make sure there's no reaction and then deliver it to that operating room yeah. to wow. be used for that patient. Wow. I'm hearing there's a blood shortage right now. I get my little Red Cross notification. Oh, I'm it's sure there is, yeah. There's a massive shortage going on, supposedly. So. Nobody's going out and donating blood because yeah. everybody's staying home. Right. Mm-hmm. Makes sense, yeah. Yep. What's the, what's the, the uh, O positive is the most popular That's one? What That's I what I am, I am yeah. 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 A positive. A positive. Samir? I don't even know what I. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know for uh, long. I didn't know. Like, I didn't think about it. I was like, <laughs> I only know because of my Red Cross app. That's the only reason I know. I about. didn't know for the longest time. Renee made me get it checked. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about you. You were the patient. We have the doctors here. How How is the shoulder feeling? And when could uh, he? When could he expect optimal results? Is it pretty much? No, immediate? Yeah, yeah, no. It's like you're no. you're kind of in the window now because like it's been weeks. like three weeks. It's like yeah. three to six weeks. I mean, I'll be I'll be honest. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be honest. I I've been doing everything with my shoulder the whole time. You know. <laughs> no, but that's okay. <laughs> we know. I, actually, I haven't yeah, even yeah, followed yeah, up yeah. with you. How is it? How is it feeling? It fe- yeah, it feels pretty good. The the that first day it hurt. No, it but hurt I mean, bad. so when we inject, right? So PRP yeah. when you're getting an injection of PRP, it's acidic chemicals. I'll tell right? you. It, it so it's basically I'm injecting acid into yeah. your joint. Yeah. Nobody likes that. Yeah. He's, he, he's, he's prepping me. Are you ready? I'm like, yeah, my, my shirt's off. I'm ready. And he's going. He's Halfway through, he's like, I can stop now. I'm like, just give it to me. Just give me the fucking thing. And he gives it to me all. Not and, the and first I, man know, he said that. No, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I will say, I mean, he took it like the champ he is. Yeah. And then, <laughs> That's what he does. That's what he does. That's what he does best. And then but you can go. I try. Then I'm getting up and I'm like. He's like, you're all right. And I was all right. I'm not trying to be a bitch. You know what I mean? So I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Tell him what and you really dude, said. No. Well, uh, to Renee, tell him what you said. No. Well, then then I'm, I'm like sweating. I'm hot. I can see I'm he was pain. sweating. I can see he I was sweating. White. I can see that he's he was like, let's take a picture. He's, he's like, can we take a picture? I'm like, yeah, let's take a picture. And I'm like, Renee, stand close to me. Just in case I was going down. I ain't the grammar, you know? And then I said, hey, let me sit down. I put the ice on. And I, you know, I had to coach my kid that night in the wrestling match. And I was in my, all I kept thinking, I was like, how the hell am I going to coach my kid? But literally an hour later, I was, I was fine. No, yeah. I it's just fine. that immediate yeah. like yeah. surge of pain from the basically acid being yeah. injected. Right, in. right. But it was so, good. yeah, I mean, you're looking at probably three to six weeks to sort of see full benefit. Yeah. No, I feel pretty good. I'm feeling good. Um, it's clicking less. It was clicking. You know, I feel like it's clicking less. So those are all good things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, when we, you know, when we're really evaluating was that a success. I mean, sometimes you use things like, hey, is the pain better? Is it fifty percent better? Is it not? But I mean, ideally, you see functional improvement, right? Mm-hmm. Like, hey, I can lift more. I can right. move more. I have better range of motion. I have more strength in it. Um, and so that typically takes a little bit longer to see kind of that full benefit. 
So what'd you say? Three to six? Yeah, in general, you're looking at three to six. But I mean, and you're you're looking for about at a minimum like year to year and a half of improvement, right? Mm -hmm. So this is not something that can you know typically is lifelong, but you can certainly see better duration of improvement over steroids or other injections, gotcha. right? And it's no and, and there's no um, limit on how many PRP shots. you No, can no, take I mean there, it's right? right. It's I mean that's the beauty of PRP, right? It's not it it's not a exogenous substance, so it's not something else from your body being put in, right? It's from your own body. Because of that, you almost have no chance of infection. It's your own body. Um, you have almost no chance of rejection. It's your own body or adverse, you know, side effects, right? Mm -hmm. it, you know, it hurts when it goes in, but other than that, it's not dangerous in any mm -hmm. way, right? Outside of patients who may have leukemia or cancer, right? Mm -hmm. Like in that mm -hmm. situation, you don't want to possibly spread their cancer by, you know, injecting right. different body parts. But outside of that, it's a very safe treatment and there's no limitations. And, you know, it is, is um, and has a lot of different applications. If I'm not wrong, I got it in my head for for hair loss. You can, you know? yeah. So, no, but it, I mean that's the same thing. Rejuvenation, not for, not for your smarts, not for not, not for not for your reading. She, she's <laughs> not here. Could, she's not here. Went into a gay joke. She's not here, but we have a doctor who does that too. Okay. <laughs> I, no, but you can, right? So PR, it's all rejuvenation, right? right so right. rejuvenation for hair loss. That's what a vampire facial is, right? They like mm -hmm. microneedle your face and then dump PRP in front of it, so that way you can sort of freshen up your skin. So there's a lot of applications for it across all spectrums in terms of rejuvenation sure. of whatever body part and when did this prp start getting popular I'm, i think i think i started hearing about it probably f when kim kardashian posted that vampire facial she had done <laughs> that, that was prp that, that was, was VR, no but that's that what was, that's what vampire facials are yeah. they, they you micro needle like the face get some pores open and then you just dump prp on it oh, wow. and that gets into the skin and helps rejuvenate right mm. improves blood flow improves you know elasticity you're no stranger to getting stuff dumped on your face <laughs> <laughs> This guy. I'm on a roll now. This is a bad night for you. <laughs> Listen, at least I can smile and make expressions of my face, pal. <laughs> that's, that's when you're doing most of those expressions. Yeah. <laughs> you make the same expression. <laughs> but I was going to say, I mean, it sounds, I mean, I knew a little bit about his history, but hearing your history, it's, it, you're... I mean, if you've had a stim trial, you've got some back issues, right? Yeah. Like that's not something you're doing. I even a, had B, C, I even D. had PRP in the yeah. calf back. In, I was like, let me throw everything at yeah. this, see if there's any hope. Even even though I kind of knew, I was like, yeah. this thing is dead. Like, you know, like I'll, I'll show you. I'll stand up and show you. You can see what I mean. I'm not making it up. I mean, I call it my I call it my gimp leg. I've called <laughs> it my gimp leg for years, but you'll see the size yeah. of it straight away. Let's see. Let's see. I mean, keep the pants on. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's my normal cap. This Wait, is my your right one's your cap. skinny one? Wait, the right oh, one's yeah. a good one? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got jokes. You got jokes. Yeah. I have no interior cap. Yeah, yeah. no, no, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. Not I mean, the, the, the outside cap looks great. Yeah, <laughs> I think it overcompensates, you know, for the inside cap. But, yeah, so I threw everything but the kitchen sink at this thing thinking like anything that might stimulate this this nerve i was always in hopes because yeah i always heard that number one millimeter a month i don't know if that no but i mean that's well. not if you have like true well, like, outright okay, damage i got five more years and it'll yeah. be down there no i never no so is so, that what you give jim that would you give your ex <laughs> one millimeter a month oh. uh, okay. <laughs> uh, i'm probably gonna get sued for that one you you can actually i mean to that point you can actually have what we call an iatrogenic nerve injury a during surgery nerve injury guy sneezed, hit something wrong, yeah, right? right? That's mm. when they talk about a millimeter a year. If I take a four millimeter instrument, which is a common size instrument for surgery, and I bang down on your L5, or sorry, your S1 nerve for what you got, you got a four millimeter injury, 
you can count on maybe a millimeter of growth repair over that period, over that length. And you say, hey, if I hit it just with this four millimeter thing, maybe in four, five, six months, you'll be better because maybe it was able to repair across that distance. But if you're six, 12 months out, and that's not better, that's, that's not going to Probably been it. completely yeah. severed then, right? right? Yeah. Or, or is, this is common in the upper extremity. Uh, there's like a thousand nerves up here, right? Every, mm-hmm. uh, everything that makes your hand work. You can have a segmental injury. Cut by a, a pane of glass, cut, cut, cuts out a half inch section of nerve when you get you know cut up by the glass mm-hmm. that will heal at a millimeter a month that's what's going to put that back together but if it doesn't make it or if it doesn't do the trick you're done you know yeah. 12 months go by yeah that's the maximum you can hope to get out of that i've now. accepted it at this point in my life you know but that, there was a period of time where i was like i'll try this i'll try it. so i did do the prp in the leg and you know doctor said hey maybe worth a shot you know we did it right. um but yeah no so i think it's 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 there so uh just have to be comfortable with my baby calf yeah. at this point. <laughs> Any regrets jumping off of the uh, cliff? Yeah, I'm, I'm too old for that crap. I'm too old for that crap. I've jumped off of one cliff in my life really? when I was in Jamaica on spring break. Oh, the famous one. What's the name of that uh, one? It was like at Rick's Cafe. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah. I jumped off that. Yeah. If you and go on never YouTube, again. Never again. <laughs> if you go on YouTube, you can actually like put in Rick's Cafe or whatever. Yeah. You see the people that get scared like yeah. halfway and try to catch themselves and they get all messed up. No, no. They, they're like committed and then they go to step yeah. off and then they try and they get, no, so they get all I, beat to shit. I had a bunch of shots and yep. then I jumped off yeah. that cliff and then I looked up and I was like, never again. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah. a terrible idea. That's actually pretty high. I mean, what is that? 50 feet? No, I think it's like 40 or 50 feet. Yeah. It's yeah, pretty, yeah, it's pretty significant. Dude, I, one of the girls we were on this trip, like, just cannonballed it, yeah. and oh. she was just bruised up, like, the whole yeah. side of her, like, like, the whole... She was, like, wearing a camisole the whole time because she was, like, so embarrassed by it's, her bruise up and down. It's <laughs> decent. It's decent. And I see some of the local guys go up in the trees next to it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They're even crazier, yeah. No. Yeah, but they've probably been doing it since they were, like, four. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, uh, now, you guys, how long have you guys been at the Garden State Medical? So I've been there longer. I've been there, what, five years approximately at this point. Um, so like I said, I w- went to school out in Philly, went up to Boston and New York to do training. And then Jersey's always been home. So I moved back to Jersey. I was at a different practice for a little while and then have been here since 2017. And, you know, no intention of leaving. At the end of the day, it's a, a practice where you know that not only the doctors, but the staff are really there to help take care of people mm-hmm. and really help there, uh, be there to uh, make people better, which yeah. is what is important when you're looking for a practice that you want to be at for a long time. For sure. And I, like I said, I grew up in Union County and I left a long time ago. I was in Philly for probably 10 years, Baltimore for five years, L.A. last year, and then I'm fresh back. So I'm happy to be back, happy to be home. I've been at Garden State a little less than a year, but the, the best thing I can say is that the doctors here like it. The patients like the doctors. People are doing the right thing. It's so easy to see. Mm-hmm. You, you, it's you say, well, I'm going to do the right thing, and and my partners can do whatever they want to do. But uh, it's not that. You know, these guys, there, there's a, there's plenty of chance to be crooked doing anything. Sure. And everybody around me is doing the right thing all the right time. Yeah. You, you, you could, especially as a surgeon, you can do bad stuff all the time and get paid for it. That's there's none of that, and that's I think the biggest thing about it. The reason I like it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when I went down there and we spoke uh, before I got the PRP shot, I, you know, just kind of, you know, you never know who is who and uh, picking your brains. I can tell you guys are sincere and take, you know, take your profession seriously. And uh, I felt comfortable. Obviously, I was happy I got that done. Definitely feeling good. So uh, happy to get you on the podcast. Maybe you could fix Roger's head a little bit for me. You know, I don't know if you guys. I think think it sounds like he got more problems than just his back. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Just his gimp calf. Yeah. We call him Biggie Smalls. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I got to. Well, I, I think it always. They, what do they call it? Six degrees of Kevin Bacon, where everybody's intertwined in some way. But Jen, who's off camera, I got to know through uh, through Instagram, and her story was so inspiring. I actually talked about Jen on the podcast mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. many moons ago, and uh, I think Jen ended up reaching out to you. So it was a it was a great connection for yeah, you because for sure. you had that you had that shoulder that was bothering you. So absolutely. Yeah. Yep. No, we're uh, absolutely mm-hmm. lucky to have her. She's put us into connection yeah, with she's great. you guys, yeah. and so it's been a. Uh, we're lucky to have her. So we're. we're uh, I know Agarin State Medical has an uh, Instagram, right? They do. Yes, that's, Gar- Jen, that's she's Jen's on job. Yeah, it's yeah. Ken's job. <laughs> Garn State Medical. Not it's clearly it's not our Garn job. State Medical. <laughs> GS Medical. Okay. GS Medical on IG. Um, number got a number or anything? Address? I know the number seven three two two zero two three thousand. Yes, yeah. for, for all pain for, and management. For pain or orthopedic issues. Yep. We also have a rheumatologist who works with us. We also have a doctor who does functional medicine and does, you know, PRP for facials and all that kind yeah. of stuff, too. And so anybody that was experienced any of that could could set up a consultation. Oh, yeah, come absolutely. In, you know, they, How about hard-ons? Do anything for hard-ons? <laughs> Rogers wants to know. <laughs> can, can you guys do anything for that? <laughs> You're on your own. Uh, but with the, the, having all those doctors under one roof, the nice thing is, yeah, I've seen stuff that I can't fix, and I just send it to these guys. Right. They see something yeah, that we can fix, they send it to me. Yep. Vice versa with the rheumatologist. Rheumatologist is like the, our guys. Rheumatologist in general is the smartest people I know. This guy just happens to be the nicest guy we know. I send him patients all the time because I say, hey, I'm going to fix this, blah, 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 but this they need like a life tune-up. Like he's the guy to check in for that. So it's great to have all these doctors bounce stuff off of. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, it's huge. We can't cover everything in all of medicine, but anything that starts with an ache or a pain needs one of us who work here. Right, sure, right. Not here. Yeah, Yeah, not here. Not here. (laughs) (laughs) You don't need me. Well, guys, thanks for coming on. Uh, yeah, no, this know, was awesome. Thank yeah, you. Thanks I for hope, uh, hope we don't have to see you, but if we do, we know we're in good hands. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, you know where to find us. Absolutely, absolutely. Thanks, guys. Thanks again. P- pleasure, Thank you. gentlemen. Thank you.